just past 7 o'clock, and what do you know? It's another edition of Ira on Sports. This is the True Oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. Got a fun one on tap tonight. Ira, you have not been feeling so well, so we're hoping that uh, you make it through tonight, right? No, I, this is I, when I think I tell everybody I'm not feeling well. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, and I'm not, but they don't believe me. <laughs> Until I say, well, I'm not going to go to the Steeler Jets game. Then they're like, are you near death? <laughs> like that is really what suddenly wakes you up to realize they're like, no, you're not. I go, I'm too sick to go. Like I cannot go to the Steeler Jets game. And uh, that's so that is the definition of me being sick that I could not make a Steeler game. When's the last time you had a, a sickness that you couldn't attend a major event? It's probably been a while, right? I don't remember. It might have been a long, long time. So I, I got to tell you what I love. Saturday football. NFL, not, you know, college is great, but there's just something special about that time of year when we start getting to see games on Saturdays. This Saturday was great. Not only games, but good games. And I was completely delirious on Friday and Saturday, and but I could watch the game. So at least I could focus and, and, and watch. So I watched football the whole time between all the medicine you're supposed to take for the flu and everything. So I'm just focusing on those games. And, and the only thing I watched for about 48 hours was Star Wars reruns on TNT, <laughs> which is every single Star Wars that ever was because I love Star Wars. New Star Wars came out and the NFL. And then I think I think I must have got confused. So I might have some Star Wars references and we start talking about everything <laughs> because I think it started to all run together between the Houston Texans and the Death Star and Luke Skywalker and Tom Brady. I just there's at some point Skywalker and Brady looked like the exact same person. So <laughs> is Lando Calrissian going to drop a fumble here or something? <laughs> that that could happen too. Um, well, let, let's talk about it. Um, this is one of your quieter weeks because you were sick. Where you been? I went to I was in LA and went to the Rockets Clippers game. So mm-hmm. I was excited for that game because. This is the two of the elite teams. You want to see when Westbrook came and played with Harden, and you're like, how's that going to work? I don't think a lot of people had high hopes. And they, they've sort of had an uneven start, but they're starting to play better. And it's exciting to see them in person, what they're doing. And then you want to see Kawhi Leonard because he only plays a few games out of the, out of the month, really, mm-hmm. I mean, on his load management Crazy. schedule with Paul George and see how they work together. And it was, it was an exciting game. Now, the Rockets ended up winning the game, and it was close. And the Clippers, and, and, and I would say that, I'm going to say this, as much as Max Kellerman on uh, first take thinks that Kawhi Leonard's the best player in the NBA, he was the fourth best player on the court. I mean, there was George was better, Westbrook was better, and Harden was better. And the Rockets don't look pretty when they're getting it done, but you can see Westbrook, when, 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 when things get stuck and slow, whatever, he pushes... Th- He'll look bad on a couple shots. He'll look to turn the ball over, but boy, he just can take that ball down there and just create so much. And I just, there's still not enough chemistry between Harden and working with him, but it's early in the season. And I'm excited for how they develop during the year. I'm not sold that the Clippers defensively are great, but everyone says the rest of their team is amazing. I don't know. I don't think their team is as good as everyone else thinks their team is in terms of the Beverly's and the Lou Williams and the Zubox. And I think they're a little overrated, the Clippers are. I'm saying the Clippers are very good. They're elite. But I don't know if they're as good. But it was it was good to be at the Staples Center for that game. Well, you know, the knockup was going to be that the Lakers had no depth. And so far, I mean, it seems to be working out for them, right? They've had a three-game losing streak, but they were on like a 10-game road streak. They backed it. And I think that, I think another thing is I think both the Clippers, this Christmas Day game tomorrow on Wednesday, uh, I think is sort of, everyone's been looking towards that. I mean, LeBron took uh, yesterday off. Uh, they, they, I think they're focused. I mean, it's one of these games that, uh, that everyone's been circling their calendars. It's the most expensive uh, ticket on StubHub for the NBA regular season uh, between the Clippers and Lakers on Saturday 
I mean, I'm sorry, Wednesday afternoon. So Ira, you know, listening to Ira on sports, you've had some of the top athletes, top journalists, top coaches in all of sports. Today our guest is a little bit different. It's Tyler Gordon. Tell us about him. Well, Tyler's interesting because what Tyler's done is he, if you ever are like watching a bowl game or a college championship game, you start to see these Dr. Pepper things and whatever at halftime. And, and it's like, what, how's it, how, what's happening? And he won the Big Ten championship, Dr. Pepper. And he won $100,000. And it's, it'll be interesting to see how someone actually gets there, how he practices. It's not like he's, it was not like he was not drawn out of the crowd and just had shot up. This was really through a whole process. And he competed in front of 70,000 people and, uh, and won $100,000. So, and you'll see it during all the bowl games, too. They have it every single bowl game. There's another one of these things. All right, Ira, let's get into it. It's the game that it was circled on my calendar all week. All I all I cared about was the NFC matchup between the Colts, I mean the Cowboys and the Eagles. Um I got to tell you, the Eagles are a decimated team. And looking up and down their roster, you would think that the Cowboys just have to roll this team. They they've been underperforming, yes, but that doesn't mean that the, the Cowboys aren't better at almost every single position and they're pretty darn healthy. I got the result I wasn't expecting and the Eagles pretty much handled them the entire game. Was Mark Wahlberg playing for the Eagles at wide receiver? Because there was really, I mean, they were down. They had no wide receivers at all. Yeah. And uh, what a game. I mean, what a game in terms of the Cowboy haters. And I think this is where I'll say is Jerry Jones and the the Emperor. Because in the Star Wars, the Emperor emperor, has all the Death Stars and the big ships. And and, and, Mm. and I just wonder, like, if he's so powerful and so great, how does all his he keeps losing? Like the emperor always loses with all the things, and it's sort of like what Jerry Jones says. He has <laughs> the greatest stadium. He has the quarterback, the running back, the wide receivers, the defenses, but they somehow keep losing. So I guess he has the wrong general in Jason Garrett. But that was my one Star Wars I reference would, for that. It's not a normal thing, especially in Cowboys land to fire a coach midseason. But I was looking at it last night. Like I'm not going to be shocked if Jerry if um, Jason Garrett's fired today. And of course he wasn't. But I wasn't going to be shocked if it happened. Well, I think there's one more. I think you could, I don't think ever co- coach has ever been fired with one game left in the season when you still had a chance to make the playoffs. It'd be, <laughs> it would be a first, and I don't think he would, he wanted to do it there. But um, no, it was it was a game where both teams were seven seven going into the game. Uh, Cowboys with a win would clinch and, uh, and and clinch the division and actually get a home playoff game. Yeah, and they were unable to get it done. It was just uh, just and not unable to get it done, but just how they played. It was again another one of these bad Cowboy games. It, uh, yeah, underwhelming in every aspect, and like you said, with how um, just decimated that that Philadelphia Eagles team is, the results shouldn't have been this way. And you do have to start pointing fingers at coaching at some point. Um, tell us about this game because I, I felt like the Eagles were always one step ahead of the Cowboys. Well, they, they jumped out to a ten nothing lead, I, and what's even worse for the Eagles is that Zach Ertz, uh, Wentz's top uh, target, the tight end, he got hurt, he fractured his rib. But talk about a tough guy, he fractured his rib. Like they said, they told him, everyone said, don't go back in the dome back in the game. He came back in the game with a fractured rib. He might not be able to play next week, but he had a he had a he had a fractured rib. Mm-hmm. And uh but they but he was they they found the other tight end, Dallas Goddard, who played fantastic uh for them. But in the Philly jumped out to a 10 nothing lead. Wentz was nine for eleven, 107 yards and a touchdown. And the Cowboys offense was three plays seven yards, three plays seven yards, field goals, four plays twenty yards, 
four plays, 16 yards, field goal. So 10-6 at half. I mean, this is the Dallas offense. It's just a disaster for the first half. And then in the second half, um, what happened is that the Dallas was driving. Trey Pollard was carrying instead of Ezekiel Elliott, and they was ruled down by contact. But what a great challenge the Eagles made. They challenged it, and then the ball did. I mean, it, when it happened, yeah. I said, I think he fumbled it. And then they, it was reversed. The Eagles get the ball, uh, and that stopped that Dallas drive. But uh, um, And then I liked that what the Eagles did. Miles Sanders played great for him. I mean, you talk about Penn State having a good uh, weekend between uh, Barkley, who had 184 yeah. yards rushing, and then Sanders carried doing everything for the Eagles, and then he ran it in for a touchdown. Uh, then Cowboys came back and made it 17-9. But, um, but uh, Wentz, uh, Wentz messed up. I tell you, as much as Wentz is getting a lot of patting himself on the back, look, I did a great job, I won mm. a key game, but they had a chance to end that game in the fourth quarter and he got sacked and fumbled made it third and 18 and they forced a punt and then Dallas gets the ball in their own 12 with four minutes to go down by eight and they got down to the 19 yard line first Dak was sacked incomplete pass to Cooper and then he threw to Gallup who just drops the ball and, yeah. and, and it was just that was the problem and, and then um, the Cowboys still had three timeouts left but then Sanders got a they punted they, they, they I mean I'm sorry they turned the ball over on downs because they went on fourth down when Philadelphia got it they were Sanders was able to get that first down and the smart movie made was he just instead of scoring a touchdown all the glory everything like that just fell down yep. and said game's over that was a smart move but I don't think I've seen so many drop passes. Michael Gallup, I mean, it was embarrassing. I mean, yeah. if you look at his stat line, he had, he had five catches for 98 yards, but he dropped like five balls, too. Yeah. He had was, a lot of separation all day, too. He had a lot of good looks. I mean, the ones that, and, and when we talk about drops, it's like he's turning, facing, and it's going into his numbers. I mean, this is like a junior high school drop. It wasn't like they were in his face, like knocking the ball out or whether he should have caught that. I, I feel bad for Prescott, but he did terrible. And then Cooper was awful. And they didn't even have the question is on the fourth down play, they didn't have Cooper in the game uh, because he had yeah, caught is, the, uh, yeah. on the on the play before. But I, the concern is that uh, Ezekiel Elliott ran the ball 13 times, 44 yards. He's averaged over the last like five games like 120 yards. Not to run Elliott, mm-hmm. not to pound him with the not to give it to him and let him take over. Again, it's one of the problems we have with the Cowboys is that they rely so much on the passing game that is inconsistent instead of giving it to Elliott. Well, that's exactly what I was thinking. After um, you know last week, where Elliot was just an absolute battering ram um, versus the Rams, you, you'd think that that was going to be the game plan coming in here, especially against a hobbled team. You just want to keep them off the field, and th- that wasn't what happened. Ira, they 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 don't seem to have an identity. They they you never know what Cowboys offense you're going to see. The defense is, is fairly consistent, but their offense you just don't know what you're getting week to week. Well, Jason Garrett, one of the comments is, well, we got the game sort of went different for us. Well, so what? You're only down ten nothing. You're not down. You're down ten nothing to the Eagles. Twenty eight nothing's different. Yes, I mean, I, I just I can't understand it. And I look Ezekiel Elliott's tremendous. They they I don't think clearly another coach next year is going to figure out how to use this, but um, he stayed healthy all year. Um, he's got the big contract, and not to, and only to ca- have him carry 13 times. I mean, as someone said, he should have carried 30, and I agree. I think he should have been at 30, 30, uh, should have 30 rushing attempts for that game. It's um, amazing how well they stacked the card um, with you know two weeks to go, uh, so many division matchups, and uh, Rams and San Francisco. This is another one that didn't disappoint. I thought it was good. I, everyone really felt like the Rams are messed up. I think the 49ers are going to run away with this. But I have to, but Jared Goff, I mean, it's like good Jared Goff and bad Jared Goff. And boy, started the game 14 for 16, 163 yards, 21, up 21-10. I mean, it's it's they are in total control yeah. over the 49ers. And the 49ers look bad. I mean, they didn't look bad, but they look like, again, this is what I talked about last week. 
against the, the Saints, and this is the criticism I have of the Saints, their defenses, which were carrying both these teams at the beginning of the year, don't look like they're playing that well. I mean, it's so funny. I said when the year started, the Chiefs now have looked like having an amazing defense, and now it doesn't look like San Francisco can stop anybody. And that's a concern going forward in the playoffs in terms of is their offense that explosive they can outscore teams. But um, And then at 21, it was 21-10, and then Jimmy G uh, drove them down. They scored 21-17. And then Goff gets the ball back, 46 seconds left. So what does he do? Pick six. Crazy. I mean, the thing, you're up 21-10. You're, you're going to go to halftime with the lead. Everything's good. And then you throw a pick six. Then you're down 24-21. And then starts the second half. Jimmy G throws an interception. And uh, and then the Rams make a mess on these third downs. They were going to kick a field goal, but then they threw an intentional grounding. So then they, again, I think I was sick if I'm more irritable when I'm watching these games. But I'm like, how do you not just? And then Zerline misses uh, uh, a 52-yard field goal. And God, they took the lead. Then Goff had a great drive down to make it 28-24. So they ended up coming back, taking that lead. Um, Niners had the ball on their own nine-yard line with eight minutes to go. And it's like Kittle's Greg uh, Kittle, uh, Greg Kittle, their tight end. I mean, you saw him against the Saints. It's like that's who Jimmy G goes to, yeah. and to leave him uncovered. It's like how stupid can the Rams be? <laughs> I mean, it was just. And then he catches for 36 yards, and then they throw him to a touchdown to take the lead, 31-28. And uh, then when when then the Rams went down and scored, and Dummy scored the, the field goal. Uh, then the Niners' final drive. So the Niners, it's 31-31. And this is when you're watching, and and you're like, okay, Jimmy G is going to, let's see what he has. He was getting sacked. He was a mess out there. They had third and 16 on their own 19-yard line. Then they throw an 18-yard pass to Bourne or, or, uh, uh, um, uh, to Bourne to get a first down. And then with like a few seconds to go, it's third and 16 on their own 31. And then Emmanuel Sanders. What a, I thought this was an interesting play. What happened on this one? So, so let's, but let's look at the backstory on this play. So it's third and 16. On their own 31, and they throw this bomb to Emmanuel Sanders. Now, remember, Emmanuel Sanders was with Denver. So he was out. He was on a nothing team. They mm-hmm. made a trade for him and brought him in because they needed it. Uh, San Francisco needed this wideout, and it worked out perfectly. He's been oh, tremendous yeah. for them. He's opened up their offense. Before they got him, they weren't scoring. So what did the Rams do? The Rams traded like a zillion draft picks and bring in Jalen Ramsey. Well, who was supposed to be covering Emmanuel Sanders is Jalen <laughs> Ramsey. And Jalen Ramsey has not played from Jacksonville, and Jalen Ramsey has not been as advertised as good as mm-hmm. everyone thought he was. Whereas he Marcus had... Peters looks great in Baltimore. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's about to say the same thing. So the Rams now have to pay Jalen Ramsey all this money. They gave away their first round draft pick. And on the other hand, and I just thought it was interesting with Sanders beat. And then they were able to go down. And it was a huge blown coverage. And Ronnie Robbie Gold uh, kicks the uh, winning field goal. But uh, it was, I mean, Jimmy G had six sacks on the game. As much as, again, this is like the win situation. Everyone's like, oh, Jimmy G, big win. He had six sacks. He threw two interceptions. And besides, and, and but that was... That was just, I thought, one of the. It was just, it was a, it was a win. It, now it eliminated the Rams. They're out of the playoffs, mm-hmm. and this is a team that remember went to the Super Bowl last year, and now they're out of the playoffs this year. Absolutely crazy. I agree with you that this team just doesn't have enough firepower week in and week out. If their defense isn't going to be the top defense in the league like they were through the first ten weeks. Teams like the Saints are going to beat you because their defense is still pretty darn good, but they can hang thirty-five points. I can't, you know, the Rams' defense. 
what let up 44 last week to Dallas. So, you know, you, you took a step back from that, and you, you're right. Jimmy is sporadic. He doesn't look like he's a superstar. He could put up numbers, but he's not taking over games and, and, and putting in, you know, that extra effort that you get from those top-end quarterbacks. I'm worried if I'm a San Francisco fan, even after this win, going into the playoffs. And you could have the number one seed. Like, if they win next week against Seattle, they'll be the number one seed. Yeah. Could you imagine we're saying we're worried about the number one? <laughs> and, and I think they'll be a favor. They'll be, but I just, I'm not... I think their defense has problems, and I and I and I just think their offensive line giving up six sacks was was horrendous. Yeah. Uh, so I, I do think San Francisco, but and I predict them to beat Seattle next week. It's seven nineteen. You're listening to Ira on Sports. This is the True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. At seven forty, we're going to be joined by Tyler Gordon. One of these, uh, I don't know what, what you even called <laughs> a contest. You know. A football throwing contest winners. This should be interesting. You've always, always wanted to talk with one of these people and see what what it was like, the pressure um, that goes into that. So let's keep it uh, with the NFL. And like I said, a bunch of good division matchups. I don't think anybody in a pick em pool was going to take Arizona over Seattle yesterday. But uh, Arizona looked good. Arizona, I, I saw the score. Now, that's the one game I couldn't get when I was watching the, the uh, Dallas game. And... I couldn't believe that Seattle, I mean, but then you heard all the injuries. So what happens is you look at the score, 27-13 Arizona Seattle. And Kyler Murray got out, knocked out in the third quarter. And they they had Brett Huntley as their quarterback, who has been a backup everywhere yeah. in the league. It seems like backup at Green Bay, backup everywhere else. I mean the quarterback from uh from UCLA. Mm-hmm. But um but it was like it wasn't the game wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. But but the Seahawks, Rashard Penny has already been out for the season, they're running back. Chris Carr Carson got hurt in the game with a he hit hurt his hip. He's out for the year. CJ Procise broke his arm. He's hurt. They already this week lost Josh Gordon, their starting wide receiver for performance enhancing drugs. Al Woods was their t- starting defensive tackle, performance enhancing drugs. Their safety Diggs was hurt. Shaq Griffin was hurt. Javian Clowney was hurt. So it's like Seattle. Who and it's so funny is everyone says, well, Russell Wilson, but he couldn't do anything with this team. Mm-hmm. They, they converted, what was it? They said it was just one on 12 on third downs. They only had 13 first downs the whole game, 200 yards total for the entire game. Um, if this was a chance for Russell Wilson to say, well, I should be an MVP, he didn't, he didn't do it. And uh, just a great, I mean, Arizona, I saw them play when they played the Steelers. I was impressed with a lot of things. The Chandler Jones defensively had four sacks against Russell Wilson, which is really hard to do. I mean, he's very elusive, yeah. and to think you're going to get four sacks sacks on Russell Wilson, but he has 19 sacks on the year, 60 sacks since he was traded from New England. And it's one of those trades that New England's like, ah, they got rid of someone. He's someone when I, th- I knew a lot of New England fans were like, we love Chandler Jones. I think that might have been a, you never want to say something's a mistake, but he has played great since he left New Orleans. You wanna, I mean, he left New England. You want to know something I noticed, and it seems like teams are much more focused on now having their backup quarterback play the style of their starting quarterback. And it's, you know, like when Brett Hundley came in the game, the offense didn't really change. They were running the same style. Same thing, the Ravens have RG3 ready to go so they can have Lamar Jackson light just in case something happens to Lamar. It's a smart strategy, and it worked off here. Yes, it worked out, and it was it was a good win, and it was it was it was one of those things. And it, remember, it was at Seattle. I was just yeah. it's crazy. Um, it was and uh, but it, it hurts Seattle now. They can still. The funny thing is, they can still win the division if they beat. San, so San Francisco is in a difficult position because if they win the game, they're the number one seed. If they lose, they're a wild card, and they get a one number one seed on a buy, with a bye with two home games guaranteed. If they lose, they're on the road for the next yeah. week. They don't get a bye. 
probably yeah probably i'd be dallas or maybe uh, you know the green bay i'll see how this uh, pans out tonight but yeah totally different scenarios and you, you wonder why the patriots go to the super bowl every year it's because they always get that buy and have two games in, in foxborough makes things a lot a lot easier I, I was really rude and i i i think new orleans is the best team in the nfc but I was really rooting for the Tennessee Titans to 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 come back and um, not not come back, but to get this win as an underdog and just didn't have enough. Well, they took the lead. Uh, I mean, they jumped out to a fourteen nothing lead. Breeze looked sloppy at the beginning. He looked sloppy, and Ryan Tannehill. We talked about. Oh, did we talk about how good Kenyon Drake ran for 20, 24 carries, one hundred sixty six oh, yeah. yards, two touchdowns for Arizona, Miami Dolphin running back. And then we're just going to turn the page to Ryan Tannehill <laughs> through almost three hundred <laughs> yards and three touchdowns. So the two, the Dolphins running back and quarterback had such a great game, but they're not on the Dolphins. But uh, but boy, what a great move! I'm telling you. I mean, the bench Marcus Mary and bringing Taniel has just been everything for Tennessee. And as even when New Orleans came and took the lead back, uh, uh, Tennessee was in there trying. I mean, they had, there was that, it was a questionable on that call. I mean, they were driving to tie the game. Mm -hmm. And uh, their running, their wide receiver was knocked out of the, knocked down to a hit to the head and fumbled. And they didn't want to rule the hit to the head. So they were able to pick the ball up and end the game that way. But that's a call that I think could have gone either way. No, that, that was uh, yeah, it was definitely a toss up there. I, I, I like what you said about Tannehill, and it's so funny how this team looks just completely different. And we were talking off air. This is an indictment of Adam Gase and his ability. The fact that Tannehill didn't work in his system, he, he can't deal with Tannehill. Tannehill leaves having a career year. Kenyon Drake showed some signs last year under Adam Gase. Never really got to where he's supposed to be. He was kind of splitting time. Now he's in a feature role, and he's devastating out in the desert. And then you've got the Jets who just – Sam Darnold doesn't seem to be getting better to me. I don't think he's getting worse, but he's also not getting better. If I'm Adam Gase, I'm looking around like, it doesn't look very good. No, it's not. And it's uh, and that's why I don't know why the Jets hired him. I think it was a ridiculous it was a, hire. It was a, it was a strange, strange Especially hire Especially after – disaster. I can't believe it was such a disaster in Miami and then hired immediately without any time off. But – um, it's with Mike McCarthy looming out there. <laughs> <laughs> but Michael Thomas, and we, we talked about this, and sort of Lamar Jackson, the MVP, but I would be, I think Michael Thomas has to be the second, like first. Him and McCaffrey should get votes. Because 12 catches, 136 yards, he now has 145 on the year, passing Marvin Harrison's record. Now, this is fun, interesting. So we have more in a, it's a pass-friendly type of league right now. That record was set with Peyton Manning with 143 catches in 2002. So it's lasted for 17 years. Mm -hmm. That's a record. And even Antonio Brown came really close and wasn't able to do it. And Thomas even, Michael Thomas passed Antonio Brown's record of 265 over two years. He has 270 over two years. But no one talks about Michael Thomas. First of all, he's from Ohio State. So he came from a big time school, but talk about he's not doing any of the crazy commercials, no crazy antics, not Odo Beckham Jr., not anything. I mean, I just I'm a big I'm a big Michael Thomas fan. It's hard not to be, and it's it is funny that he and DeAndre DeAndre Hopkins are the two best receivers in the league, in my opinion. And I don't think people could pick him out of a lineup. Whereas everyone knows Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham, who's probably not even a top ten receiver in the league. The, the bigger mouths are the ones that are highlighted, and Michael Thomas just shows up, does his job, and people. If he falls to the wayside, yeah, and then they all say that oh, there's no other, he has, there's no other complimentary wide receiver. But they use Jared Cook, their tight end, mm -hmm. and it's perfect. I mean, he had that 40-yard touchdown run. He had two, three catches for 84 yards and two touchdowns, and a, and a great touchdown run. I mean, when everyone's focused on Kamara and Thomas, they throw to Cook and to touchdowns. So um, it was a big win for New Orleans. Uh, they're now 12 and three, and they're still in position if if San Francisco loses to get the number one seed, and also if they keep win, they'll get that bye. They'll get the number two seed for mm -hmm. the.
Goodbye. I, I hate that excuse. Drew Brees has always been, of my lifetime, the quarterback that spreads the ball more than anyone. If, if you have a jersey on, he's going to get the ball into your hands. So like, I know maybe you don't have the weapons that you've had at some points, but he was making Willie Sneed, guys like this, household names week in and week out that go somewhere else and they're nothing. So Drew's going to get the best out of you, and I wouldn't be so worried about the depth there um, You know, compare, comparatively. I don't, I don't think Lamar Jackson has weapons like he does. And Lamar Jackson's not the he doesn't in the worst situation, but if you had to choose between Michael Thomas or Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews or um, who you Jared Cook. yeah Jared Cook, it's a clear, it's a clear choice. Um, what was interesting though, Tennessee lost, but it, it was actually one of those. I know it's weird to say it wasn't a bad loss because it wasn't a conference loss. Yeah. The Steelers losing because going into the game, the Steelers had the lead over Tennessee, but by Steelers losing a conference loss to the Jets, then they suddenly and the, and, and and Tennessee losing a non-conference loss, a non-conference game, uh, the, now Tennessee controls their own destiny and not the Steelers. So as bad as that loss was for Tennessee, the Steelers was 10 times worse. 727, Iron Sports. This is the true oldies channel of Mike Balsamo. So I, I read this today on the internet, Iron. I thought it was hilarious. If Jameis Winston opened up a daycare and you dropped your kid off, at the end of the day, he'd either be dead or speak fluent Chinese. Like, this is Jameis Winston. He's so polarizing what you're going to get. You really, it, it's, he's such a crapshoot on every single ball that comes out of his hand. He threw pick sixes on his first two. Uh, not, not one of them wasn't, uh, was called back. But two interceptions on his first two possessions. And then he goes on and just starts tearing it up. Um, Tampa obviously didn't get the win here. But Jameis Winston, I, I believe, is leading the league in, in yards. It was one of those games where it was 10 nothing. James Winston had thrown, they said that his, he, he had no wide receivers, no Ed Godwin, no Mike Evans, so he really was with all his backup wide receivers. And he throws a pick six to uh, like the first play of the game. And then, and then he throws another interception. But Houston, I thought Houston looked terrible. And this is why anyone who thinks that they're Houston's getting worse make, every week. They are just, they're just, it's just, it's unbelievable. I mean, they're, they ended up, they ended up leading. They're up 17-3 with 12 minutes to go in the second quarter. So they're le- so it's 17-3 with 12 minutes to go in the second quarter, and they score six points the rest of the game. Because what as bad as Winston was in throwing four interceptions for the game and a fumble, all uh, Deshaun Watson was doing was throwing in two interceptions, fumbling the ball turning the ball over. I mean, it was it was a complete disaster. And uh, I just, I was not impressed with Deshaun Watson. It was just, a, a, he had five, also he had five sacks. I mean, he just looked lost out there. Uh, and they hung on to win. But uh, Winston, it's like one of these things. It's like, what do you do? Do you bring him back uh, for if you're Tampa Bay? And he's, his, his arm, his one of the strongest arms you could imagine. And he throws the ball. And he's not afraid to throw interceptions. Uh, but I think it's one of the things. He's the new Brett Favre. That, well, I think they're just going to franchise him. They're going to give him one more year. I think it's hard not to. He he leads. This is the why it's impossible to say, what do you do with Winston? Well, he has 4,906 yards, 4,906 yards. Well, the next closest to him is Jack Prescott with 4,599. He leads the league. He's going to have over 5,000 yards passing. You're going to get rid of a quarterback that has 5,000 yards passing? Well, this was the debate among me and my friends all week. And I'm with you. I'm saying, listen, this guy needs a better quarterback coach. He needs a psychiatrist, maybe. He's got the arm. He can make the throws. But I'm with you. For Tampa, especially in a year where they're not going to be picking top 10. They're going to be picking somewhere in that middle. Is it worth mortgaging your future to trade up for a Tua or, you know, if you're going to do the full reset? Give this guy another year. Draft more players to, to put around him. Draft more on the defense, which is, seems to always never be able to get it completely right. I, if I'm the GM, it's a tough decision, but I'm sticking with Winston. And, I, I, you know, I, I can't see any other way around it. It's it's unfortunate that he throws so many picks, but I like the fact that you said that he, he 
It's not afraid to throw. <laughs> so, it's not so. afraid to throw. And I think with Evans and Godwin and O.J. Howard, I mean, they have these weapons. In there. And Ronald Jones, maybe bring another running back in that's going to be dangerous with him. But he has two of the best. I mean, you look at fantasy. If anyone picked Chris Godwin in the first round, they, they won, probably won their fantasy. I mean, he had a, a tremendous year. And Mike Evans is one of the best. You have two of the best, like five or six wide receivers in the league. Um, and so I, I, you know, I, think, I think there's no doubt I think Winston's coming back. I don't see any way um, around it at this point. How funny, you know, too, speaking on, um, you know, stuff that the Dolphins let get away. And we're, we're mocking the, um, you know, the offensive line play of Houston. And, of course, Deshaun's on his back a lot. But Laramie Tunsil and Minka Fitzpatrick both making the Pro Bowl. Uh, and, you know, two other guys who were on that Dolphins roster last year that just seem to be doing so much better once they, once they leave Miami. It's unfortunate. Um, so... The game I was looking forward to most was Cowboys-Eagles. And then I was really into this Patriots and Bills game. I thought the Bills were going to upset them in Foxborough. I don't know why I thought that, but, uh, you know, Belichick's up to his old tricks. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that he just finds ways to win at home. And Patriots, Patriots look better than the score, I would say, in this one. Yeah, I think they look better than the score. And I thought it was, of all the games, I thought it was like one of the games where I thought both teams played great. Like I looked at why I watched this game. I watched this. I'm watching these other games. I'm like, one team's playing terrible. One playing. Like I thought that both teams looked awesome in this game. And I think the Bills are, I'm so impressed with Josh Allen. I am so impressed with their defense. I saw them play against the Steelers the week before. And, uh, and I saw the Patriots play the first game of the season against the Steelers. Of course, but I, I thought the Patriots are. Look again, as you can say, the Patriots are sneakily getting better. Well, mm-hmm. they are. They are playing. They've sort of figured it out some somewhat. And and Brady started out hot. I mean, it was like all this. Well, his completion percentage is down, but he completed like ten in a row at one point, and like mm-hmm. eight in a row in another. Uh, but his record against the Bills was thirty-one and three going into the game, <laughs> showing you where the Bills had been. And then Burkhead though fumbled on that first drive, just like he did against that Ravens, like that one fumble. But that was the only turnover that both teams. If you would think how hard these teams hit to have only one turnover was amazing and then he uh brady drove the team down for a touchdown to matt lacrosse 539 touchdowns tying peyton manning remember mm-hmm. when peyton manning broke brett Favre's record like it took forever for him to break it and now in two weeks now he's in third place because breeze passed him last week and now uh brady passes them this week and then at 10-3 pats were on fourth and one in the buffalo 41 i thought at this point they could have really taken control of that game and Nikita Harry was stopped on an end-around play. Great tackle. And, and that's the one thing the Bills do. I, they might be the best open field tackling team I have seen against the Steelers. Like, if you're one-on-one, they're just t- they're not just, like, you know, holding you up and then gang tackling. They are knocking you to the <laughs> ground. And then uh, Smart decision, though, when you play in freezing temperatures. People don't want to get up when they've been hit, hit that right. hard. Right. And then I'll tell you what. I mean, Sean McDermott. I mean, what? At the end of the game, see, he and he's not afraid of Belichick. I mean, not, but he doesn't, he doesn't have that Rex Ryan bluster and stuff like that. But McDermott, you saw at the end of that first half, they they uh, they threw Allen through to Dawson Knox. Uh, it was ruled a touchdown, but then they ruled him down at the two-yard line. So they had like two, eight seconds to go and could run one play. And then it was like second down and uh, second down to two with two seconds. Instead of kicking the sure field goal to make it 10-6, mm-hmm. he calls a tackle eligible. Uh, that was an amazing pass, and they threw it in for uh, that Dawkins for a touchdown. He, it was in that celebration, like everyone went crazy. But that tied at 10-10 going into the halftime. 
But I like that. Like, I mean, I thought that was a sharp play. And uh, you see Belichick was like mad because like, was he was the mm-hmm. eligible guy or not the eligible guy? But I really liked how McDermott, that was, that was, it's tough at the end of those quarters. Like, you know, something was happening where they thought he scored, he didn't score. But just, I'm real impressed with Sean McDermott, real impressed with Josh Allen and how Josh Allen handled it. Like everything about the Bills impresses me. And uh, I thought they played that great for 10-10. But then on the second half, Allen threw to Josh for John Brown, 53 yards, a touchdown, and they were up 17-13. And then um, uh, then fourth and two, the Buffalo's on two, the Pats with 10 minutes to go in the game. They took a field goal. So they were on the Bills. Uh, two-yard line, mm-hmm. and they kicked a field goal to make it 17-16. Like, I mean, that would be, like, with the Cowboys worth them, like, oh, that was your chance to score. Of Why course. would you just kick a field goal? But then they they knew. They forced the Bills to punt, and then what, are the, what does Brady do? 30-yard pass play to Edelman, sets up a touchdown run by Burkhead, and, uh, but it was exciting. You know, at the end, the, you know, they drove down. The Bills drove with a chance to tie the game, and they were first and goal in New England 8 with two minutes to go, and then Allen was sacked by Jamie Collins, and then Hightower. I mean, that New England defense really came and that's where I, I was impressed because you were, it wasn't like poor play by Josh Allen it was just great defense from New England mm-hmm. so I was really impressed how New England played at the end I agree again Josh Allen every week impresses me more you know what the hardest job is going to be this offseason or hardest uh, decision who's going to win coach of the year because Sean McDermott's another one who's got it he's his head has to be in the ring and there's six or seven other coaches that on a normal season make a very compelling case to be coach of the year I don't know who you picked this year. I know Mike Tomlin's definitely going to be one of the I think the Jets guys. lost hurts Tomlin. I, I do very think, much does. I'll tell you what. I think McDermott, I think it's looking. I think that the team, I think the improvement of that team, I think it's going to help him get and it. My I boy mean, Brian Flores needs some votes, too. Well, I mean, four and four since that awful start. But also, but, like, you know, one thing during the game is, like, not, not as only as Allen now more accurate in his passing and making the smart passes. And he doesn't really, besides John Brown, who's really not a lead wide receiver, he doesn't really have it. No, Cole complained. Beasley, come on. Yeah, Cole Beasley. But, but then on that fourth and one, that it, that one drive, he like gets stuck at the stuff at the line of scrimmage and it just fought through mm-hmm. like four Patriots. And to get that first down, I mean, that was, I mean, he's not the runner that Lamar Jackson is, but boy, when you need, I mean, he's strong, he's fast, and he doesn't run like he did last year. But I think that's great that he's not running like he did last year. No, yeah, I think it was out of, um, not not knowing what to do last year was causing him to run. Now he's running when he when he can and when it's when it's smart to. Um, I don't know if you saw the beginning of the Ravens and Browns game, but there it, this was very weird to see. I think the Ravens went three straight possessions to open it up with Lamar Jackson looking pedestrian, and I'm like, who is this guy? Where's the MVP? And then he just turned it on from there. Oh my gosh! I mean, they were down six nothing. And it's like the first half is almost over, and the Browns. But so funny, the Browns like they were celebrating at six nothing <laughs> yep. at the end of the second quarter. Like I'm like, what is going on? Like you're only up six. And then you saw what happened: the Ravens 14-6 blowout. Uh, Odell's yelling at Freddie Kitchens on the sideline. Total chaos. Total crisis. I mean, the Ravens have won. It's amazing. The last loss the Browns had. I mean, the Ravens had was the Browns on September 29th, um, and. But, boy, the, the Ravens really turned it on. I, I, you know what? I'll take it back. I think that Harbaugh is going to be the coach of the year. Th- that's what I mean. He's clearly going to be one of the top two or three. But then you look at what other teams have done with less, and you kind of, you know, he just set a record for the most I think making the change, bowlers. I think what we said, we had with Andrew Catalan on, when he said, before I start the year, I'm going to try something. If it works, I'm going to be going to the, you know, the playoffs, Super Bowl, that stuff. If it doesn't work, I'll be fired. And he was, <laughs> and it worked. I mean, to play Lamar Jackson. Now, Mark Ingram got hurt, their star running back in the fourth quarter. It's a question whether he's going to be healthy now. But you saw going the Steeler game next week. Now they've clinched. They're the number one seed. There's no question. They have a first round bye. But they're 
they're going to sit Lamar Jackson almost their entire offense of the whole offense, the whole the whole um, the game against the Steelers. And Ingram's a huge part of that offense as well. And and you know Lamar Jackson gets all the credit here, but. Ingram's been fantastic, and I thought he was going to kind of fall into oblivion after leaving the Saints, but, you know, he's a pro bowler, so obviously he's doing well. How happy do you think people that drafted Mark Andrews or picked up Mark Andrews in their fantasy league because he didn't even get drafted? I did not see this coming, Ira, and he's every week the guy finds the end zone. Well, I think I think the, the question was is that with someone like Lamar Jackson, a quarterback that runs, is always going to looking for that tight end. So I think a tight end that is able to get open and then make the big plays and run and hurdle everybody and everything. It's just. It, the Ravens are just on a roll, and 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 you're excited now for the playoffs because you've been watching these teams. You watch them, who's playing well, and some teams have off weeks. I mean, the Ravens seem like be the only team that doesn't have an off week. I Good mean, they're point. on every week. Their defense is playing great. Their offense is playing great, um, and uh, it just it's so they'll be the heavy favorite to win the Super Bowl. It, that's what I was saying. Like. It, it was weird to see them out of funk for a quarter, <laughs> you know, to, to, to string on four of those in a row. This doesn't seem like it's going to happen with this team. So we talked, you know, just a moment ago about how that Jets loss is going to hurt um, Mike Tomlin and the Steelers, obviously. Think about the same thing that happened with the Cowboys. If the Cowboys don't lose that game to the Jets, they're in a totally different situation now. But then, you know, as we talked about it, Jets yesterday, I don't know if you want to call it an upset because Pittsburgh's obviously not working with, you know, full personnel, but Jets got a big win here. Well, the, uh, no personnel, really. I mean, the Steelers got had the same type of injury problems during the game. I mean, I think what really hurt the Steelers, going down 7 nothing early, like the Steelers' defense had to come in and set a tone, but... Look, Le'Veon Bell, well, we had uh, sat out all last year for the Steelers. It was a whole issue about Le'Veon Bell. And then, of course, you had the Antonio Brown, but you had the Le'Veon Bell issue, too. And I think there was a lot of motivation from the Jets. He's very popular in the Jets team, so I think he fired up. Also, Heinz Ward. People forget, Heinz Ward was one of the most popular Steelers. He was the greatest wide receiver they, they've had, besides Swan and Stallworth. He was a I popular mean, football player. Everything. It didn't matter, yeah. And he was, now he's, but he's a wide receiver coach for the Jets, too. So I think the Jets, I think, had a lot of motivation coming into this game game that, that considering for a team that's out of the playoffs would have uh, between Ward saying I'm going to get a Gatorade bash a shower if I win if we win and then Le'Veon Bell talking saying this is really important to him too and they, and they use Le'Veon. Le'Veon Bell ran the ball great at the beginning of the game um, but uh uh, but, they, but see, Duck Hodges, it just, <laughs> unfortunately... The wheels were going to fall off it, this thing. I think they, it, he threw an interception. The first interception wasn't that bad. And then his second interception was a disaster in the end zone where he yeah. just threw the ball up and there were like six people there. So. <laughs> we do have um, our special guest tonight on Iron Sports. By the way, it's 740. This is the True Oldies channel. It's time to bring in Tyler Gordon. Tyler, are you here with us? Yes, sir. Sure am. Tyler, we got a lot to talk to you about. Ira, what do you got? So, Tyler, um, I heard that you won $100,000 throwing a football. I mean, you must be pretty good at throwing. Is that correct? <laughs> I'm really good at the chess pass, I guess. So and that's really about it. <laughs> so you at the Big Ten Championship game, we watch, I was saying, describing this. So we watch on TV all the time, halftime of these games. There's some weird things, and, and people get called down from the stands. But at the big championship games, it's not just like they're going to pick you from the stands and you come out there and do something. You were you knew about this uh, for a while in advance. So tell about how the, the whole process was that you suddenly were on the field for the Big Ten Championship game between Ohio State and Wisconsin. Yeah, so back in August, I uh, submitted an application to Dr. Pepper for, the, for their scholarship. And I got a call uh, around mid-November letting me know that I had been selected along with three other contestants. And so they, they flew the four of us out to Indianapolis, and they did that for every 
conference championship game or the Power Five conferences. And so, whenever they flew us out to Indianapolis on that uh, that Friday night before the game, the four of us threw balls the exact way that you saw it on TV, and the top two advanced to the game on Saturday. And so, uh, then at the game on Saturday, uh, ended up winning. <laughs> and uh, there was a lot of work and uh, practice that went into it, believe it or not. I'd spent, for at least two to three weeks, I spent at least two hours a day or something like that uh, uh, practicing throwing these balls into a replica can. So what, you're, you're throwing a ball into a Dr. Pepper can, but it's not a real Dr. Pepper can. It's a big, like, big can, right? So that so how how big was that hole that you had to throw the ball in, and how far how far how far away from, from it were you? Yeah, so the the can is nine foot tall. The what we're throwing it into is nine foot tall, and the, the hole is two feet in diameter. Uh, and so my dad was able to. We were able to get a hold of the measurements. Doctor Pepper provided it to us, and my dad made a replica can. Uh, he's a handyman, and so he was able to put something together, and I was able to practice with that. But we had to stand five yards back from the can, and then we we just had to throw as many balls into the hole as we could in 30 seconds. So did you try different methods? I mean, the overhands. I mean, why did you choose to do the chest pass way and not just throw it overhand? Yeah, so I tried. Well, you hear a lot of criticism over the chest pass, and so I tried overhand. <laughs> Really, no matter how accurate you are, you just can't get off enough enough balls in time. So it really came down to a numbers game. I tried it out. Uh, I wasn't necessarily very accurate with it. Uh, I found the chest pass to be the most the most accurate way for me and uh, the the quickest way to get off the most amount of balls. And so, what how what was your score? How did you win? Like, what was your how did you what was you compared to the your competitor? Yeah. So um, on Friday. On Friday, I ended up getting 20 to get into the finals, and then on Saturday, I threw 20 again. I made 20 of them again, and the, my competitor, he ended up making 17, I believe. Wow. Uh, which, is, which, yeah, which is sad for him, though, because he would have he would have won had he been in any other conference championship game, but I'm, I'm super happy anyway. <laughs> Wait a second. So you're telling me you were not just the winner of this. You were the overall winner of all conference championship games. Yeah, I threw the most. I was I was one away from the like tying the record that they have for making balls in thirty seconds. <laughs> Did you play any college sports at all? No, I didn't. I, I didn't actually. I played. Uh, I mean, I, I grew up playing football. I mean, just like digit league in the middle school, and I stopped in high school. I, I played golf and tennis for the most part in high school. So I mean, I, I'm used to throwing around with football. It's not necessarily new to me. Uh, I still play a lot of sports, but. Um, no, it was just it came naturally to me, honestly. Now, after you won, I mean, did Dr. Pepper? Did they? Do you get anything else besides? Do they just give you a check for a hundred thousand, and then that's it, or is there other things you get to do, or what's the, what's the extra benefits? Yeah, so they they flew us out to Indianapolis. Uh, we were there. We flew in on Thursday, and they really just gave us VIP treatment uh, from Thursday to Sunday. And every night we had super nice dinners. They took us out to the corporate events, uh, the really nice parties we were able to go to. And so we, we were able to network with a lot of people. And then outside of that, they did give us a lot of gifts. We were allowed to take uh, take a guest with us. And so it was a really fun trip. I, I brought my wife along with me. And we, had a, we really just had a great time overall. And then the game was amazing, of course. 
Wow. So w- w- during the game, like after you won, well, first of all, during halftime, were there a lot of fans still in the stands? Were they, who do they know? Like you weren't representing a certain team. You were just out there competing. It wasn't like the Ohio State fans were rooting for one player, uh, one person, and the Wisconsin people were rooting for another one. Yeah, right. And so I, this is something that I figured out and I thought was really interesting. So three of us, uh, three out of the four, were from Big 12 schools. Uh, there was Texas Tech, Oklahoma, and West Virginia. And then another guy was from some school in Atlanta. And we figured out that they do not like to send you to the conferences that you that your school is representing because they don't want fans heckling you or figuring out where you're from. And so apparently that is a thing. They had that happen early on whenever they first started doing it. They said that they, they learned from that mistake. So. I thought that was really interesting. Oh, come on. You could have taken some hack leg Come and just throw it over. That would be exciting. So, um, <laughs> but wait, so there's still the two playoff games. Don't they have the same competition? Like, can you enter? Can you be entered in the playoff games in the Fiesta Bowl or the Peach Bowl and then the, the National Championship game in New Orleans? Hey, I wish, but no. I think that, I think that was the only thing that they did was just the conference championship games. Uh, I, I, I wish they'd fly me out to one of them. <laughs> So your career, your career, are you saying your career is now over? Like, this is it? This is it? It, it is, yeah. And it's, it's kind of astonishing that all that work went into something that lasted for 30 seconds. <laughs> it is what it is. Oh, wow. Well, well, Tyler, I really appreciate you coming on. I mean, this is, I've always, like, it's one of those things where I wanted to know, like, how it happens. Like, you see it, suddenly they bring something out. And, and I know that I, when I was watching it, someone said, oh, my gosh, that guy's pretty good because he just, from coming out of the stands. But as you said, you actually knew about it a while in advance and practiced and, and did those things. So, um, I, and, and I really appreciate you coming on Iron Sports. Thanks a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. 747's Iron Sports. This is the True Oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. That's some interesting stuff. I would have never, I always thought it was random people from the stands. Little do they know he's building a Dr. Pepper, um, you know, statue in his I guess the key to win this is have a, have a father that is like, can construct the perfect thing. The other people probably did not have the accurate Dr. Pepper cans <laughs> to throw it into. Ira, let's go back to um, Steelers and Jets. And like I said, this one was just. Not, I don't want to say embarrassing, but it's just it's one of the kind of losses that at the end of the season you're like, man, we should have won this one. Yes, and it was like a, another Star Wars. I mean, Duck Hodges was like Jar Jar Binks. If anyone, you don't know about who Jar Jar, but he was like the worst Star Wars character, and everyone was making mistakes. But the fumbling, it wasn't just so. Not, not only does he get pulled from the game, and then and then Mason Rudolph comes back, and I'm in a bar with a lot of Steeler fans, and like the groans when Mason Rudolph came. Out. I mean, the excitement level was not there considering when Mason came in the game, but he did. He did. Um, but then, so then they drove them down. They got a field goal. But um, this shows where the Jets are terrible. So it's 36 seconds to go. They're on their 49. It's first and 10. They're up 10-3. So what are you going to get from that? Good. You might get a touchdown, 17-3. Worst case scenario, maybe field goal, 13-3. Mm-hmm. Worst case scenario, nothing. What does Sam Darnold do? With first and 10, he fumbles the ball. Yeah. So he fumbles, and then and then Rudolph comes in, throws to Yontre Johnson, so suddenly now it scores 10-10. So you're like, the Steelers are like, wow, the Jets are so bad. Even with Doc Hodges, with all our problems, everything, the Steelers can win the game. But then the second half, it was a disaster. I mean, Pouncey, the center, got hurt. Cam Hayward, the starting defensive lineman, got hurt. James Conner, the running back, mm-hmm. is, is out. And then... Mason Rudolph takes a snap from center, trips over the center's leg, falls down, gets, 
gets falls down, gets back up, and gets flattened. And if you want to think about the hits of the season, he the Miles Garrett sack that started the war in in the Browns yeah. game, the Earl Thomas hit in Seattle. It's like Rudolph is part of all these big time <laughs> hits. And then his shoulder is hurt, so now he's out of the game. He's out of next week's game. He's done for the season. And Duck Hodges is then back in the game for the Steelers. <laughs> so I mean, it was just it was it was so bad. And the Steelers started then started to play bad. I mean, there was the Jets were punting on fourth and five on their own fifteen. You're like, okay, this is great. Fourth and five on fifteen. Steelers are going to get ball in great field position. So what the Steelers do? Offsides on a punt on fourth. I mean, you're going to get Crazy. the ball. It was just so bad. And then um, it was just it was horrendous. And then it was like Hodges kept fumbling. There was one point where was sec- the Steelers had a ball second and seven on Jets twenty nine yard line. So they're ready to kick a field goal to tie the game. So Hodges, not he gets sacked to make it third and 16 from 38, which is still not bad. But then he takes on third down and fumbles it again, <laughs> and he gets sacked again. So now it's fourth and 24. Like, I don't, if there was like three more downs, they might have given up a safety. Like, I don't know how you could keep going back. And uh, so then Jets, then they only kick a field goal, so make it 16 10. So what the Steelers do, I mean, they had their chances at the end of the game. They throw to Washington. They, I mean, the Jets are so bad that just like begging the Steelers to win the game like please win this game Steelers Mm -hmm. and Duck Hodges couldn't do it they throw it to Washington he couldn't catch it and Juju Smith-Schuster who's had probably one of the most disappointing years of any player in the NFL drops a first down ball and that was like the last play of the game and what a disaster for the Steelers so Ira you know we we, since we're talking about Darnold and we've got a lot of love for Josh Allen on this show obviously I think if you redraft today I don't think anyone's not going to take Lamar Jackson even though long term we don't know how, how you know how healthy he'll be able to stay are you taking Josh Allen over the other three that went in that first round, Baker, Sam Darnold, and Josh Rosen? Uh, no right doubt now? about yeah. it. I, I, I almost think that Josh Allen is going to be a star, like a superstar. Like I think he has all that. I think the Bills are a team on the rise, and uh, and I'm just just big. And I think Sam Darnold. I mean, when you watch him, it's like when you watch intently, like you're watching the Steeler game against them. I mean, the mistakes, the stupid, yeah. stupid plays, and and I we're gonna we talk about the Bears game next if we could talk for a second and I, I hate what Chris Collinsworth in the game I thought it was the most poorly called game I've ever heard because he took he took Patrick Mahomes and Mitch Trubisky and showed four plays where they each threw the same type of throw and said look Trubisky throws just like Patrick Mahomes does and I'm like yeah, if you're quarterback I can show Duck Hodges could do a, that yeah, it's, a like, it's, not, it's four passes I mean you're throwing 30 to 40 times a game like it, this is that's ridiculous and there's so much more than making a throw it's not an artistic competition and and I just think that the fact is that Sam Darnell makes he just not look like a leader. He just the, the fumbles, the stupid plays. It's just it's like he's just hoping to hang on. Like let's figure out some way to win this game. And I think under Gase as their coach, I don't think he's developing. So I'm not sold on him. I, I know I'm I, I I think he still has a chance. I don't see him becoming this superstar player. I think he's got more of the benefit of the doubt than any quarterback I've seen in the last decade. They keep it's always like, well, no, he's getting better. He's got a bad team. There's always an excuse for Sam Darnold. Whereas we throw Baker Mayfield under the bus every single week, and Josh Rosen's basically dead. And really, Josh Rosen's got the worst shake of anyone <laughs> out here. But it's always like, well, no, Darnold just he's got it. He's it's going to happen. I agree with you. Don't, not sure if this is ever going to happen. Um, Kansas City and the Bears, you just brought them up. What can you say about the Bears' season compared to last season? It's just disgusting. It's good to see Kansas City starting to be able to play better defense because that's what they're going to need to do in, here in the playoffs. Well, the Chiefs' defense, 17 points against the Chargers, 9 against the Raiders, 16 against New England, 3 against Denver, 3 against the not Bears. Not bad. 
And that's just amazing. I mean, this Chiefs defense, which has been terrible for years, is a finally mm-hmm. turn. I mean, people were waiting, and it finally came, which is great. But I'll tell you what, the Bears are pathetic. I, I, I think, I know this sounds insane, I think if you gave them the ball every time, it's like, who cares where you got the ball? Forget about punting. Take the ball on the 20-yard line. I think they'd still lose that game. They had no <laughs> chance to lose that game. None. And Collinsworth is saying, well, Treblitzky, I think they might give him a contract extension. Like, it's not just to observe. And Al Michael's like, I don't know about that. I'm like, observe? Like, that'd be insane. Like, contract extension. Like, you, how could you bring? <laughs> like, they had no chance of scoring. That team was pathetic. They were The Bears are horrendous. Everything about them is bad. The entire team is a, their offense is just awful. It's just awful. And it it was a boring game. It was that the most boring game. Yeah. Like I'm sick and I'm watching the game and I'm getting ill. I'm getting more ill watching them watching this terrible football game. And the Bears are pathetic. And any if I was a Bears fan, I mean, just get rid of everything on offense. Like everything. Yeah, goes. you can start from scratch. There. Start from bring in <laughs> Northwestern's offense or someone, but just <laughs> stop because their defense is good. I mean, their defense is trying. Their defense is 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 elite defense, and their offense it just gets worse and worse. And, and sure, they said, well, Trubisky's had four games that have been great. So what? He's had 13 games or 12 games that were terrible. Uh, no, I agree here. So I, I really wanted this Gardner Minshew experiment to work out. I, I hyped Minshew Mania here on Iron Sports, and it looks like that's probably over. Boy, but, it, you know, from Atlanta. So Atlanta beat Jacksonville 24-12. Did Atlanta not get a message when the season started? Crazy. Because they have played great over the last two months. I mean, did they thought the preseason was September also? Like, what <laughs> was going on? I mean, they looked dominant in some games. Matt Ryan had 365 yards. Julio Jones, 10 catches, 166 yards. Um, but, boy, the Jacksonville looked terrible. Uh, Coughlin, their general manager, was fired. Yeah. At the, when, but they said now the coach is going to be back and the general manager is going to be back. The clocks are no longer going to be five minutes early because Coughlin felt that you had to turn the clocks a certain way. So if you were five minutes, you're on time, you're five minutes late. Yeah. So they were turned back. Um, but what a mess. I mean, you, you Jacksonville is a, like a, could be a nice story. And I think they have a nice, good fan base. So I wish they would have this. It's just an unfortunate they the season has just totally fallen apart. Seems like a team totally, you know, two years removed from the AFC championship game. And they look like a shell of themselves. It's, it's crazy to think about that. You did hear the stat about Coughlin that, the Jaguars had 25% of the player fines for the entire league. <laughs> that might be a, and I'm a Coughlin guy, but he might be a little well, too overbearing. you don't know what time it is on the clock. Supposedly, <laughs> they didn't know if clocks are one way or the other. When they travel to different places, they had to reset the clocks there. I think that causes a lot of problems. People are getting fined for what time it is. I like Brian Flores more and more every week. And I, I'm sure there's some fans that don't want to be winning right now. I know Cincinnati's not good, but I think the Dolphins will take a win when they can get it. But does Andy Dalton, I mean, you talk about if you're the, the Bengals, you're like, just make sure there's no chance we're going to have any. He's like, I, I, I want to be, I don't want us to have the number one pick. Yeah. <laughs> Where did that come from? 400 yards, four touchdowns. First of all, they were down 35-19. I'm following that game, and I'm like, 35-19, total blowout. But And then they score a touchdown, then they get an onside kick when the chance now in the NFL is like 2% to get an onside mm-hmm. kick. And then the Dolphins <laughs> give up the touchdown with 30 seconds to go. Just a stupid pass. I mean, that was terrible defense. But then I got to give the Dolphins. Credit for hanging in their overtime. As you can see in the stands, there might have been like 5,000 people still left in the stands for the final minutes of the game, but to, to hang on and win that. But uh, no, the Dolphins under Flores have played. There's good points and bad points to them, but they play hard, and that's all that they can ask for. And uh, the final game on that slate was the battle of the rookie quarterbacks in the NFC East. Daniel Jones continues to put up numbers. I'm not sure I'm completely sold on him yet. A little bit unfortunate here is that Dwayne Haskins was finally putting it together and got injured. 
Well, Daniel Jones, since 1950, no rookie quarterback has thrown for five touchdowns and 300 yards except Matthew Stafford, and now Daniel Jones. He threw for five touchdowns, 352 yards. Barkley, 22 carries, 189 yards, four catches for 90 yards. I mean, you look, Giants are amazing. They're tremendous. They have two <laughs> young quarterback wide receiver. They're amazing. Sterling Shepard, they're going to be great, favored to win the NFC next year. Um, I wish people were saying that. <laughs> but, it was, I mean, but I don't. Look, I, I, I think that it was, look, Daniel Jones has impressed, and I think he's played well, and I think you're expecting some games where he's played poorly. But uh, for someone, also, I give him credit. Look, he was hurt. Manning came in for those two games, and he came back and had a five-touchdown game. Got to give him credit for that. So if I'm a Giants fan, I at least have a lot more hope than some of these other teams have. No, that's a good way to look at it. That It's at least something to build on here. Um, all right, so let's talk about um, what you're looking forward to next week. Well, it's mainly the playoff picture. But it's interesting. The one game we didn't mention was the Raiders over the Chargers. The Raiders winning. The Raiders needed these things to happen. They needed to the Steelers to lose the Jets. The Colts beat the Panthers. The Browns lose the Ravens. The Titans lose the Saints. The Raiders beat the Chargers. Everything Everything happened. happened. (laughs) So that still is not enough. Next week, they need the Raiders to beat the Broncos, the Steelers to lose the Ravens, the Titans to lose the Texans, and the Colts beat the Jaguars. And considering the the Raiders are going to Vegas, this would be like drawing whatever straight you possibly could have. Hitting roulette twice in a row. Roulette, like, I don't know, four (laughs) times in a row. The chances are, like, infinitesimal, but that's their chance. Uh, to get it. And, and if Tennessee, it's clear, if Tennessee wins next week against Houston, uh, they're going to be the sixth seed. And if they lose uh, the Steelers and the Steelers beat the Ravens, then the Steelers would be the sixth seed. If they both lose, then that's why the Raiders have a chance, but it needs a lot of other things to happen to make it there. Um, the, pa- the Ravens are the number one seed. The Patriots are the number two seed. They play Miami. As long as they win the game, they're going to be number two. They're going to get a bye. Mm -hmm. If they lose, which is impossible to ever think that I'm going to say the Patriots are going to lose to the Dolphins at home (laughs) in the Lionel game of the season, I think that would be impossible. But the Chiefs are the three seed. They play the Chargers. Um, They could move up if two, if the Patriots lose, or if Houston beats Tennessee, they could move down to four. But I expect it. Ravens won with a bye. Patriots two. Chiefs will be the three. And Houston four. And uh, um, the, the four seed. And then and uh, uh, in the NFC, uh, but with the buys, the, buy the Ravens and Patriots. And the, and the thing for the Patriots is, okay, this is what happened like last year. They have the home game, but then they go on the road, and they, they have to play Kansas City on the road. And they yeah. won last year. And, and they all, I was at that game, the Patriots-Ravens. And, and look, you're going to give Belichick another shot. Everyone said that he was just testing them out. It was like a boxer. Mm-hmm. This would be his chance to come back. But getting that number to that buy was key for the Patriots. And letting Brady have a week off, just just crucial. Um, and I, I think they're going to clearly beat Miami. But then the NFC, it's a little more complicated, but San Francisco has the one seed. They play Seattle. I mean, as we talked about, it's huge. Either they're going to be the one seed or they could be the fifth seed. Uh, and the Saints and the Packers, Packers play tonight against Minnesota, um, but uh, the Packers can actually lose the division. So all these teams, San Francisco, Saints, and the Packers, uh, all have a chance to be the number one seed, which is crazy. There's a way Seattle could. And if the Eagles win, um, uh, if the if the if Minnesota is probably going to be the sixth seed, mm-hmm. um, there's still a chance for them to move up to the fifth. But um, and if they win their two and pa- the Packers lose two, they could actually win the division. So it's still unsettled with the one week to go. But you 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 know who the six teams are. Like the six teams are set. It's just where they're going to all settle in. So Ira, let's talk about college football real quick. You know. For, I guess, like a month, you've been on this show saying Clemson's going to 
crush Ohio State. And you think Clemson's going to maybe roll through this entire thing. I think the rest of the media was behind you on this. But now I think people are starting to come around that Clemson has a good chance to beat Ohio State. What's your take on this uh, whole CFP picture? You know, you look at the stats. Clemson, 47 points. Ohio State, 48. Uh, they average. Points allowed. Clemson, 10.6. Ohio State, 12.5. Yards. They both gain about 540 yards. They both get up 240 yards. They look equal. And then people say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Ohio State, they play good teams. Clemson plays bad teams. Mm -hmm. But Clemson has just been blowing out these teams. 62-17 over UVA, uh, 38-3 over South Carolina, 52-3 over Wake Forest, 55-10 over NC State. And Ohio State, I, I, I saw them play against Penn State. I saw them play live. I, I, I think they're having some troubles on defense. Their offense is inconsistent at some times. And uh, they barely, you know, barely beat Wisconsin 34-21. The Michigan game, the 56-27, was a mess at some points. And Penn State was had a chance to tie that game with a backup quarterback. So, look, I think Ohio State is really, 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 really good. And they might be the second-best team in the country. But I think Clemson, and I just go back to the Alabama game last year, when everyone thought Alabama was unbeatable. Yeah. And Clemson just blows them out. And I just think that Clemson can just score at will. That their offense, Trevor Lawrence, 34 touchdowns, eight interceptions, but he has the strongest arm. We like Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's number one. Trevor Lawrence, if he could came out now, could probably start. I would say 20 to 22 NFL teams. He's that good a quarterback. He's athletic. He's strong. He's smart. Tremendous. T. Higgins, their wide receiver, oh, it's just tremendous. Like in Justin Tom, uh, Ross, their other wide receiver, tremendous. Um, on defense, I and mean, people, one thing about it, they lost a lot of defensive players. Isaiah Simmons is going to be the fourth player taking the draft. He's their linebacker. He's just tremendous. And their two safeties are also going to be first round picks. I really like. I, I mean, I know, look, look, Ohio State has Jeff Aku, who's going to be as their quarterback, is going to be the third player taking the draft, and Chase Young, the two. I mean, you're having, you're seeing the NFL in at yeah. this game. And I think it's going to be, but I just think Clemson is really, really good. I can't wait for this game. If I get healthy and feel good, I want to go to this game. This is the game I want to see. This is the must, 8 o'clock, Saturday night. Uh, just, if you're going to see one college football game, like this year, I think this is the game to watch. And what do you think about LSU-Oklahoma? Um, well, I'm nervous about Clyde Edwards, uh, their running back, who hurt his hamstring. And I think that's going to hurt LSU a little bit and because I think they rely on him. I, I As much as Oklahoma, to me, has played, they're, they're like, if you look at all the other teams that are undefeated, Oklahoma has the one loss. Mm -hmm. Oklahoma's had tighter games. Oklahoma is just not as been dominant clearly at all. But their offense with Jalen Hurts, he can run, he throws. CeeDee Lamb is a great wide. They can get the big plays. But LSU, their offense is just unstoppable. I mean, they're just going to score. And I, the line is 13 and a half. And I just think about the game last year, Alabama-Oklahoma. And Alabama took that lead, and Oklahoma just sort of hung in the game. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think LSU... They've given up points this year. They gave up 38 against Texas and 38 against Vanderbilt, 28 against Florida, 41 against Bama, 37 against Mississippi. And I think they might get that 21 nothing lead, but then give up two touchdowns and get up 28-14. Like, this is going to be like a 55-45 game. Like, I see Oklahoma maybe backdoor covering at the end, but uh, LSU will win this game. But I could see Oklahoma just sort of making these big play after big play and hanging in there. But it's going to be – the game's going to take forever. It's going to be a lot of points. <laughs> Got just about a minute. Left, Ira. What's going on in the NBA? 
Um, well, this is the people might think the NBA just begins this today. It's the, we, got the, like it. <laughs> we got the Christmas Day game. So on Saturday, there's no football. I mean, on the Christmas, there's no football. But you're going to have uh, Boston at Toronto uh, to start, which will be really interesting because you get to see Toronto's playing very well this year with Pascal Siakam and, and Kemba Walker has stepped into Boston doing great. And then you have Milwaukee at Philadelphia. Philadelphia has been disappointing and not they're playing well but they've had a number of losses and beat hasn't played that great Simmons has played fair Milwaukee looks like they're the favorite to win the the NBA title this past week they beat uh, uh, LA. The LA you know yeah. just a, a Giannis shot five threes they, the team is motivated they're playing great uh, then Houston Golden State's not going to be even a closer game but then of course the Clippers Lakers game which is at eight o'clock at night Christmas night is going to be the game everybody's waiting to watch can't wait for that one tonight. Four and a half points is the line. Green Bay and Minnesota. What do you like? I think Minnesota wins. Yeah, me too. I think Minnesota is at home. I think their fans are loud. I think they're ready to go. And I think this Minnesota team is sort of like doesn't want to be left out. And I even without Delvin Cook, their running back, I think – Look, Kirk Cousins' record on Monday Night Football is horrendous, mm-hmm. but I think he's right. I think that I think it's a one and eight. I think it's time. I think this is when he wins this game. <laughs> I just think they're a better team, top to bottom. So I'm going to take. Uh, I'll take them at home. We're out of time on behalf of Ty, on behalf of Ira. I'm Mike. Let's talk next Monday night. It's Ira on Sports.